32. This is one of the strangest wrestling matches ever, but one of the most famous ones ever. Even bigger than um, Hulk Hogan and um, Andre the Giant. It was bigger than that. It's way bigger than that. Genesis chapter 32, verse 22. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives to... Yeah, two wives. That night, my buddy Tom that was here a couple weeks ago, that's why he said, I'm, I'm married to one wife. This was still cool back then. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. Just, you should underline that, highlight it in your device. Make a mental note of that. I will not let you go until you bless me. The man asked him, what's your name, Jacob? He answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called that place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites did not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because of the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Father, we thank you. This morning, we pray that you'd minister to us. God, we pray that your word would transform our lives in a real and tangible way today. We pray, Lord, we know that when we pray later, you'll hear us. And we pray that you do what only you can do. Thank you for this opportunity we have today. And we owe it all to you. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. You may be seated. Jacob's life is fascinating. It's worth going back and reading the whole story multiple times. Jacob, um, Jacob was technically not supposed to be in the position he is. He cheated his way to get there. Uh, Jacob's family was... Uh, was different in the sense that his dad was older. He's, he's one of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It should have been Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But Jacob swindled his brother out of the blessing and birthright. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure my dad would have been able to tell the difference between us. Jacob's dad's dad at the time was old and blind, and, um, and they tricked him by putting fur on his arm. So what that tells me is that Esau was really obnoxiously hairy. It would have been really a difficult, weird situation to be Esau. Could you imagine being hairy enough that when your dad said, is this really Esau, and you stuck your arm at, out and had an animal's fur on it, he went, oh yeah, that's Esau, all right. Get wax, do something. So anyway, Jacob is now, for the last 20 years, been pretty much the arch nemesis of Esau. Could you imagine having to live in the shadow of what should have been rightfully yours and because of your dirtbag brother, it's not. Maybe I'm touching too close to home already, but anyway. Um, 
he, uh, he's got two wives, and the story of how he got those two wives is equally as fascinating. He works for his father-in-law for many years to gain his first wife, which he thought was going to be the one he wanted. Only the Bible says he woke up on his wedding night to the weak-eyed one, I think the description is. And he was pretty upset and fired up about it. His father-in-law's solution to it is for him to work a whole bunch of more years. And then he can finally have the wife he wants. So Jacob has been laboring for years and years and years for these wives. God comes to him and tells him to go back to his home country. And, uh, which means he's going to have an inevitable encounter with his brother. So he starts to travel back. He sends people out in advance to find out about Esau and to, and to try to mitigate what he realizes could be a very tense moment. And his, his servants come back and relay the message that Esau is actually headed towards him and he's got 400 men with him. It did not say that he's bringing his wife and kids and, and you know, it looks like they're going to welcome you. The message back to Jacob instills utter panic into him. He is now concerned for his life. There is no description in the Bible where Jacob uh, has 400 men to fight Esau. Matter of fact, he begins to strategize on how he can minimize his losses. He begins to divide his things up into two camps to maybe if he attacks us, we can save some things. He's in a bad way with not a lot of options. Esau is coming towards him with 400 men. This does not look good. This does not look good. The Bible records him praying, Jacob praying. And a little bit above where we read, it records a prayer That Jacob prayed in Genesis 32, the same chapter, but up in verse nine, it says, then Jacob prayed, Oh God of my father, Abraham, God of my father, Isaac. You see, when you're up against it, you want to make sure God knows where you're from, right? (laughs) Man, my parents have prayed to you a lot. Then Jacob prayed, Oh God of my father, Abraham, God of my father, Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, Go back to your country and your relatives and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you've shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed the Jordan, but now I've become two camps. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau. For I am afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. He's praying, I think he's going to kill us all. He's not even going to spare my wives and kids. He's panicking at this point. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. You know what I find out? That the most fervent prayers I pray are often at the most difficult times. Come on, you be honest with me. When everything is going well, you're throwing up prayers like, Lord, it was a good day. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Everything worked. I went to work. My boss was high on me today because I'm great. Man, I, I, my wife did everything I wanted today, Lord. It must be because I'm good. My kids listen. And we, and we, so when everything's going well, we start just throwing up these things like, Oh, man, Lord, it's great. Thanks for the blessing in my life. Thanks for the blessing in my life. But you want to talk about fervent prayer. Let all hell break loose. 
it drives us to a place that we don't typically go, doesn't it? And we will start reminding God of everything he said to us. It was your fault I started walking this way. You're the one told me to do this. You're the one that got me into this. Jacob now is going, hey, I want to remind you that this was your idea. Isn't it funny how, how we are on board with God in the beginning, but then when the struggle gets real in the middle, we're like, no, 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 this was all you. This was all your idea. So he's praying fervent prayer now. I think he's going to kill us all, Lord. Prayer actually becomes the most real when our options become less, doesn't it? Because what I found out in my life, as long as I have options, I tend to expend them first. I tend to wear the options out before I wear prayer out. Anybody else? I know you're disappointed. Just come on. Anybody else? I tend to wear all the options out, sprinkle a little prayer in there. But when their options are gone, now it's really time to get serious. God, I got nothing else to lean. I got nowhere else to go. I got no more resources. I got, I got no way to get out of this. I got nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. Lord, I don't know what to do. I'm afraid it's over. The Bible says that Jacob cried out like this to God. His prayer was more serious when things got more serious. Jacob realizes he has no viable defense against his brother. He's got no options. No options. You know what I realized? Faith is actually developed in these circumstances. Faith is actually developed. Because faith, Hebrews says, is the confidence in things that we can't see. So as long as I have options, I don't need faith. As long as I have an, as long as I have more money in the bank than I have bills, what do I need faith for? As long as I have more resources than demands, then faith is not a necessary thing in my life. As long as I have options, if if I if if Jacob would have had six hundred men, he wouldn't have been praying. He would have been sending messengers saying, "Bring it." So faith is developed when all the options are gone. That's why we don't pray for faith very often. Because I'd rather have options than faith. I don't know about you, but I just want. It's a much easier lifestyle, isn't it? Well, how did you pull that off? Oh man, I just I just moved some money here, moved some money there. We did this, we did that. The only problem is, is that when I have options, I end up typically taking the credit. Yeah, I end up typically taking the credit. Oh, your kids are great. I know. I was a good dad. <laughs> I mean, what do you what are, what did you expect? Except I know what's true. My kids raised themselves this week. <laughs> like I'm texting them going, "Did you guys figure out anything for dinner? You got to feed me." <laughs> So what we find out in life is that our faith is developed when all the options are gone. If, if I'm hoping in something that I can't see, if I'm hoping in something that I can't grasp, if I'm hoping in an option that isn't there, then it's faith. If I'm just strategizing and manipulating resources I already have, that's not faith. That's strategy. 
But I'm here to tell you this morning that God wants to increase your faith, not your strategizing capability. Because at the end of the day, if you're not already here or have been here, you will be in a circumstance one day where you don't have a strategy, where it caught you off guard, where you never are going to have enough resources to make that happen, where you don't have enough good things in you to get through it. So what am I going to do? I'm going to say, God, God, remember what you said to me? Remember your promise? I can't believe that's all gone now. I can't, you promised. And all I got left is to hang on that. Realize how Jacob's prayer goes. God, you're the God that my family has known. God, you, you told me to do this. And then God, this was your promise. He ends with what he knows God said to him, not his circumstance. He includes his circumstance. They're going to kill us all. But then he ends with, this was your promise to me. I got no option. I got no way to make this happen. But this is still your promise. Faith is developed in times like this. It's not when everything, it's when, you're, when your back's against the wall, when you have no, no way to get out of it, when you have no plan, when it catches you off guard, when there's no resources. It's these times in your personal difficulties, in the tragedies of life, that you find out that your faith is developed. That's why you have a hard time believing anybody that hasn't had a difficulty. That's why you have a hard time trusting people. Sam and I were talking this morning and we were saying, man, we can actually say 20 years ago now. We're old enough that 20 years ago I was still an adult. And we can say, man, so there's been a track record of, of faith that I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. I can't. I don't have enough to do it. And God, I need to trust you. Now. My family has walked through those things. I've walked through those things. My wife and I have walked through those things. It's where, it's the crucible that develops your faith. So he cries out. The Bible says that, um, that he then does what he can do. I'm, I'm going to separate things. I'm going I'm to try to minimize losses, whatever. It's all I got. Then it says he, he goes off by himself. My theory is he's going to spend the night praying. I got nothing left, man. I got nothing left. Take the kids. Hide the kids. Hide my wives. I'm going to go off and pray. What I realize is the biggest blessings in my life have come always after the biggest struggles. They always come after a struggle. You know what? God is not interested in lottery blessings for you. You know, the lottery doesn't develop your, um, your financial aptitude. You realize that, right? That's why like 95% of lottery winners are bankrupt in five years. It's because more money causes people without any money skills more headaches. So... So God is not interested in lottery style blessings where you just, oh, God, I'm just randomly call up and I need, I just need this. No, he's interesting in blessing your life so that it matters. 
so that there's a legacy left with it, so that there's something beyond you, so that there's something of substance there. And what I've realized is after my biggest struggles, I've realized my biggest blessings. So here, here's what we read at the beginning. This is the craziest wrestling match in recorded history. Jacob's going off by himself to pray. He's like, I, I got to get alone with God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. Some dude shows up out of nowhere that nobody knows. Nobody else knows he's there and he's wrestling with Jacob. Now, I don't know if it's Greco-Roman style wrestling. I don't know if it's jujitsu. I don't know what they're do- I don't even know what they're doing. I remember when I was growing up being a full Nelson and a figure four leg lock. You remember those? <laughs> says they wrestled all night till daybreak. Now I need to let you know, Jacob's around 97 years old at this point in time. Now calm down. He lived 147. So that's, you know, that's past middle age. But I can tell you right now, I'm past middle age and I don't want to wrestle all night. He's not in his youth anymore. He's wrestling with a guy. All night. And there's something fascinating that happens. I think Jacob gets to the place where he realizes he can't defeat the guy, but then the guy can't defeat him either. Have you ever felt like you were in a stalemate with God? Where you're like, God, I I don't know. I I think you're hearing my prayer, but but I'm just, I keep praying and I keep praying and I keep praying. And it doesn't feel like I can overcome you, but it doesn't feel like you're overcoming. I just, nothing's moving here. It's just, just like prayer, wrestle and wrestle and wrestle, wrestle. And, um, and what happens in the middle, well, at the end of this is the sun starts to come up and the guy says, let me go. The sun's coming up. No. He realizes he's not going to be able to overcome Jacob, Jacob. So it says he touched his hip. And his hip basically goes out of socket or something. Imagine the pain shooting through Jacob's body. Now, I know this is real pain because it says he limps later. So, but the crazy part is he doesn't let go. We used to watch UFC. A group of guys here at the church used to get together all the time, watch UFC fights. And uh, I'll just warn you up front, if you ever watch a fight with me, I'm the guy that jerks. Even in the seat. I'm like, I don't know why. I've just been like that. I used to watch Mike Tyson boxing matches stand up in the living room. So it's probably, I'm glad we don't do that anymore because now people record those things on cell phones. Have you ever seen one of those matches where gets a guy in an arm bar and he's breaking his arm off? And you're yelling at the TV screen going, just tap out, dude. Nope. Break it off. I got 30 more seconds to the end of this fight. Break it off. I'm not giving up. I literally saw a match one time where a guy put a guy in an arm bar and looked. I mean, he's got his arm bent backwards. He looks up at the ref and he goes, do you want me to break it off? And the ref's like, I don't know what to tell you, man. He's not tapping out. And the guy lasted to the end of the match and won. Break it off. Whatever you got to do. I'm not going anywhere. 
Bible says the man touches Jacob's hip, dislocates it. You can imagine the pain coursing through his body. He holds on. He holds on. And the guy says, let me go. He says, I'm not letting you go unless you bless me. What's your name? My name's Jacob. All right, you're not going to be known as Jacob anymore. Jacob actually means deceiver, supplanter. It, 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 it was a fit description of who he was up to that point in time. But he says, I'm not, you're not going to be called Jake, Jacob anymore. You're now going to be called Israel. Because you have struggled with God and man. You held on long enough for the blessing. And it says he blessed him. Jacob lets him go. But wait a second. Esau's still coming. Now, now think about this. I've been up. I'm panicked because I believe my brother's coming to kill me. I've wrestled all night. With some people say it was an angel of the Lord. Some commentaries will say it was Jesus himself. Some people, there's all kinds of views about who this stranger was. But I've, I've been up all night now wrestling. And, I'm, and I refuse to let you go until you bless me. Now it's daylight and my brother's still coming. So Jacob gets all of his stuff ready. Starts sending out these gifts, these blessings. Starts sending them to Esau. And he starts making his way to Esau. And there's a wonderful picture there about how Esau sees Jacob and starts running towards him. Not like Braveheart style with a hatchet. (laughs) Running toward him to embrace him. Hugs him and embraces his brother. Could you imagine? Could you imagine the change in fortunes over a night? Here... Here is what I want to focus on today. There have been seasons of my life, even in the last five years, where, uh, where the pain was more than I thought we could bear. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Where, um, where you have no options. <clears throat> where you're wondering how it's going to turn out. Where you're literally having conversations. We could lose everything. And, and praying the same prayer Jacob prayed. God, I, I, I don't want to be disrespectful. I feel like you got me into this. I feel like at the beginning we prayed, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will, not mine. If, the, you, if you want this to happen, make it happen. If you don't want this to happen, then we'll walk away, lick our wounds and keep moving. And a, and, and a legit miracle took place. Then, then the difficult comes and you, and you run out of, uh, come on, anybody ever been there? You got married one day too, didn't you? <laughs> and that's not what I was referring to in my life, but you could do whatever you want with that. So, wow. So, so what happens is, is that. Let me say this. God is more worried about your development than your reputation. The quicker we learn that, the quicker we will, we will grow. God's more worried about your development than your reputation. Because here's, here's what I have a tendency to do. I have a tendency to make sure everything looks like it's okay. 
Anybody else in the house like that? You're like, no, I'm real, man. No, you're not. You're hiding it just like everybody else. How you doing? Fine. Y'all know everything's fine. And then everybody finds out, right? That's because we've been trained to worry about our reputation. How's it look? 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 And when God, God is not really worried about that because, because he can do so much good in your life in so short a time through a struggle that he can make a reputation out of nothing. So what he's worried about in the moment is your, is your development. And so what happens is in the darkest of times when we're trying to cover it up, he's trying to develop us. He's trying to take that Esau coming at us. He's trying to take life coming at us. The disease, the illness, the death, the the difficulty at work, the lack of resources. All those things coming at us. He's trying to take it. Stop protecting your reputation and start developing in that season. Because it's in those dark times of prayer where you realize he hasn't left. It's in that wrestling match where you realize I'm not letting go. Until you bless me. I don't have any other choices here. I've got to hold on to you. I've got to do this. Because I'm out of options. So what happens is this. Esau's still coming. And uh, and I think the encounter went a little bit like this. So Esau's... Jacob's sending these gifts ahead and ahead and ahead. And um, Esau gets through all the... Waves of gifts and, and, and he, he runs and meets Jacob. Remember, Jacob's limping. Jacob's limping. So I, I think it went kind of like this. Esau ran up to him. Bro hug. Big old squeeze. And Jacob went, ah. The sciatica thing. Anybody ever had one of those? <laughs> have you had sciatica before? I have. It'll put you on the ground. Just like, oh. Esau said, what? What's that about? That's about my blessing. If it wasn't for last night, man, I don't think we'd be here right now. I got my hip busted up last night. Some dude came into the camp and full on wrestled me all night. And I wouldn't let him go until he blessed me. And I think the reason you're here embracing me right now is because of that. So you know what I'm thankful for? I'm not only thankful that you're not killing me right now. I'm thankful that my hip hurts. You see, so often we're trying to walk through life without without any residual pain. We're trying to navigate season after season and have no residual pain in our life. No reminder of the wrestle. No reminder of the struggle. But I I think I think the limp stayed there so Jacob could be thankful for the struggle. It's unexpected, I know. It's not what we would expect on Thanksgiving. We would expect on Thanksgiving to be like, I'm thankful that he's blessed our family. I'm thankful for the great things he has done, but we could turn it around this year and go, I'm thankful for the bad hip. Let me say this. Jacob did ultimately send gifts ahead to appease Esau. But what you find out is Esau says, I don't need any of that stuff. So Jacob's best effort wouldn't have worked anyway. 
Because when he gets, Esau gets to Jacob, Esau looks at him and says, what's the deal with all that? And he said, well, I wanted to make sure. And he goes, I don't need any of it. So our best efforts aside from God don't really accomplish a whole bunch. But when we struggle in prayer and we struggle and we struggle and we say, I'm not letting go of you until you bless me, then nobody can deny it. I'm not letting go. So, so listen, I started thinking about what is God really trying to increase on in my life? What is he trying to increase in me? And I, I, I had this thought. God is trying to increase my grip. He really is. He's trying to increase your grip right now. Through what you're walking through. He's trying to increase your grip. He's not, he's not really trying to increase all this other stuff. Make you more rich. Make you more this, make you more that. He's trying to increase your grip. Watch this. Let, let, Let's look at another, another guy that suffered, Job. Do you realize God never said in the middle, God has a conversation with the devil, and, and, and God says, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one like him. And, and Satan says, if you let me get to him, he'll deny you. He said, no. No. No, he won't. Now, do you realize nowhere in that conversation, nor after that conversation, does God heal Job during this struggle? He doesn't. You know what God's confident of in Job? His grip. God's confident of Job's grip. He's not, he's not saying, well, I'll just come in and save the day. No, he's confident of Job's grip. He said he won't let go of me no matter what happens to him. You fast forward to the New Testament and you see Paul doing the same thing. He, he gets in situation after situation after situation, snake bite, shipwreck, all these things. He prays to God and he says, heal me. And he doesn't. He prays again, heal me. And he doesn't. He prays, the Bible says, for the third time. And I don't think these were little like, hey, God, I'd really like a healing right now. This is you know, a little difficult. <laughs> I think these were struggles in prayer. I think he was praying, God, I need you to do this. And you know what was happening? Although his body wasn't being healed, his strength was increasing. His grip was increasing. So when he could get all the way to Rome, he wasn't panicking about being in chains. He was saying, my grip's strong now. These chains can't shake me. So he wrote to the churches and saying, don't be ashamed of me because these chains are to advance the gospel. I got a strong grip on him. I'm, he's not, I'm not letting him go till he blesses me. You can forget that whole thing. I've been through all this stuff. I've been through hell and high water. I've been shipwrecked. I've floated on a, on a board all night. I've been everywhere you could think of. And my grip is so strong now. If, if Rome thinks they can shake me by locking me up in chains, they're crazy. I'll struggle as long as it takes because you can't get the grip of this old man to let go. So do I want to pray that God heals you? Absolutely. Do I want to pray your grip is stronger? Absolutely. I want to be thankful for the unexpected this Thanksgiving. I want to go to Thanksgiving dinner and say I'm thankful for the hip. Because the hip is what increased my strength. While I was weak, his strength caused me to hold on. While I couldn't do anything on my own. While in severe pain and agony, I couldn't do it on my own, but he gave me the strength to hang on. 
And I hung on until he blessed me. You know what? I'm a preacher that believes in blessing. And I believe a lot of you have one coming. Because I can see your struggle. And I want to let you know as a pastor that I... that The band's going to come. Stand to your feet. I'm going to tell you this. We're going to pray. I had a guy call me one time. <laughs> it's so funny because I know me. I know me better than you know me. I'm me. So I see everything I do. I know everything I think. He called me one time. He was going through some problems. He said, man, I look at you up there. Your life just looks perfect. I literally on the phone went. <laughs> he goes, what are you laughing at? I go, that's the craziest thing I've ever, anybody's ever said. I started going down through some things. Just transparent with it. Man, I got, here's what you don't know about. Here's what you don't know about. Here, now, don't call me tomorrow asking me questions. Think I'm going to tell you everything. But I wanted to make sure he knew that he wasn't talking to some rookie who had never walked through it. I've been, I've been really transparent with the church with some things. I, I, go to, uh, I go to a counselor on occasion because I don't want to be crazy. Right? So I try to... But that's not how I started going to him. I started going to him because there was so much stress in our life that we didn't know what to do with it. So me and my wife started going. And we went, God, we don't have any options. We didn't hate each other. We just didn't know what to do with it. We thought we were going to lose everything. We didn't, we had no idea what to do, when to do it, where to do it, how to do it, anything. We were up against the wall. We just said, God, we don't know what to do. So, so now in 2018, I'm like, my grip's way stronger now than it was. Do I have pain in my hip? You better believe it. Do we still live in pain? A lot of times you better believe it. Circumstances haven't changed a whole bunch, but my grip has gotten stronger. And so what I can do now is I can look up to the God of heaven who orchestrated the whole deal and say, you know what? I thank you for the pain that made me stronger. I thank you for the difficulty. I thank you that when I embrace what you gave me, it, 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 it sent a little pain down my back. I thank you that I won't forget it. I thank you that I can sit here on Thanksgiving Day and I can be thankful that that pain caused me to increase. I'm thankful for what nobody else will be thankful about. I'm thankful for what people will want to forget. I'm thankful for a season in my life that made me stronger because I struggled with you. I'm not thankful that it hurt. But I'm thankful that I can remember. Now listen. I'm, I am so glad that Jacob limped. Because if Jacob didn't limp and we limped, it would feel like something was out of place. Jacob wrestled with God went through his own pain and his own suffering and there was a little bit of residual left on it. And I just think that 
is there to remind us that we can't do it by ourselves. We can't do it on our own. It's not about us. It's not by works lest any man should boast. It's not about my strength and what I can pull off. It's about God. And holding on to him as hard as you can hold on to it. So this morning, I just thought it'd be fitting. Our our ministry leaders are going to come up. Uh, that are in this service. If you just go ahead and come up. Listen, we don't do this very often, but we sang, we sang less songs, I preached less, and, and, and so we're going to take about 10 minutes here. And, um, and I want to do this. Just for logistics, there, there, there's, no, there's no spiritual benefit of walking down an aisle. The spiritual benefit is we're going to lift each other up in prayer. That's it. And so if there's somebody beside you who can pray, that's fine. But the benefit of being in a, in a community like this, in a family like this, is that we can bear up each other's burdens. And that, when, and that when you're feeling like your strength is getting ready to loosen up a little bit, somebody else can come along and help you out. And when you feel that hip pain, somebody else can come along and help you out. And so we have some people up here. I'm going to be up here. So the band's going to sing a, a great song. And I would just encourage you, if if you're in that season right now where you're thinking, man, I'm out of options, my hip hurts, I don't know what to do, I just need to hang on until a blessing comes. Just hang on until a blessing comes. I would love for you to, to honor us by coming up and letting us pray for you. And and we just want to agree together today that God will do a miracle in your life and he will increase your strength. He'll increase your grip today. Can we do that? If you bow your head and close your eyes. Come on, if that's you this morning, just make your way down here. And we just want to pray for you as a community. Come on, don't be bashful. Don't be shy. Nobody's nobody's worried. We're not trying to protect reputations here today. We're trying to develop ourselves. Father, we thank you today that you're for us and you're with us. God, and you prepared for this moment this morning. We thank you, God. You give us moments like this, and even in the struggle, you are making us better. Even in the struggle, Lord, you're making us stronger. Thank you.
us faith, God. Let's sing this out.
God, we thank you today. We thank you. God, encourage us. As we leave today, encourage us. That we can hold on to you. That that the blessing is coming. That we hold on to you through the struggle. That you are blessing us. You're growing us. You're developing us. We thank you for it. And we honor and praise you in Jesus' name. Hey, why don't you encourage somebody as you're leaving? You can be generous on your way out. Let's be thankful for the unexpected this week. Amen.